Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. But you will not get all of God's love when you're on your own. Just like you will, you, I think Lizzie used this expression, you will just get by doing life on your own, but you will not thrive on your own. If you want your marriage to thrive and your work to thrive and your future to thrive, your relationships to thrive, your mental state to thrive, your attitudes to thrive, you have to be doing life together with other believers. It's the only way to not just survive. So he says, may you have power together with all God's people to grasp how big, that is how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's exponential, beyond our imagination. God will do that which is beyond our dreams. He will reach people beyond our ability to reach. He will touch parts of the city beyond our ability to touch. He will shift cultures that are beyond our ability to get beneath. And and he will do it because we've taken steps believing that he's doing the unimaginable, the exponential, which is the word for us this year. Your growth as a disciple will be exponential. The reach of our groups will be exponential. The impact of our church will be exponential. That is, we're believing God will touch what we cannot touch as we do what we can do. Now, I know every one of us has probably uh, experienced someone who says they're part of the family or says they're part of the community, but they're never present. Now, maybe, uh, maybe that's you. Maybe you've been that person and, and you're here today and you need to know that God is gracious. He gives us fresh starts, fresh starts to be able to, to, to recommit ourselves to our family, to recommit ourselves to our family and go, look, where I've not been present, I'm going to be present. Where I've been missing, I, I won't be missing. And, and so for many of us, we've been given slightly broken examples of community, and, and therefore we need the model of God. We need the model of what church can bring to show us what community can be. And so it's no big surprise to us when people constantly come into our church and say the, the, uh, the feel here is like it's home. It, it's, it's a community. It's a place I can belong because that's what we work at doing. We work at reflecting God's heart as Father who's always present, who always turns up and has showed us the greatest example that together we will thrive. And so it's been, it's been lesbianized commitment um, not just to be running groups virtually since we've been married, but to be in groups. We currently sit in two groups. One is a group of pastors from around Europe, and we FaceTime together, and we get together a few times a year, and once a year we go on holiday together, and we support each other and pray for one another and speak into each other's lives, and we're co-workers together, and we plan together and build life together. Uh, the other group is much more immediate to us and is around us all the time, and it's our group here in church. And last Monday, we met with our group. It's a big group. There's 18 people in the group, 
only last uh, Monday, it was a whole lot less. We had three people at home in bed sick. Uh, We had somebody else at home nursing her husband and children who were in bed sick. We had somebody else who was sick but FaceTimed in. We had somebody else who was sick uh, but also not quite sick enough. She was able to call in. So, uh, do you know, because why would they do that? Because, huh? I'm not sure I'm with that. Anyway, we'll carry on. <laughs> Why do we do that? We do that because we, none of us want to miss out on all of us. We would do anything to be together in any way to make it work because we know we want and need one another and what's going on in that, that environment. So let me, let me tell you a bit about our group. And I, I could, I mean, it's, I got 18 people, uh, or 16 others in our group, so it's going to, it would take a while if I went through them all. But let me tell you about Monique Jacobs, who we've known for 15 years, and, uh, and now her children are much older, but in pregnancy she had a, a, a it was just to both of them, really, really challenging pregnancy. She was very, very ill. And, um, and so we, but we did that journey with her, and, and since then Peter and Monique have journeyed with Lisby and I too, with some challenging moments in our lives. We've, we've done life together. Uh, let me tell you about David Spronk, who's our family pastor. David was with Lisby and I uh, when we took on this church, and it was a challenging moment in the history of this church, and he stood by us, strong next to us. And whenever I think of David Spronk, I think of two words. I think of brother, and I think of soldier. He's a fighter for people. And he's a great brother. It's the sort of person you want standing alongside you. That's David Spronk. And both he and Hannah are just dear friends. Let me tell you about Short and Christine Vanderklei here. Um, Short and Christine, we've known for 12 years nearly um, since they've been in our church. And they uh, have, uh, our kids have grown up together, similar ages. Uh, and well, and so let me tell you more about their kids than them, but they're their children are like our third, third and fourth son. Their eldest son, Jerry, sort of just turns up on our door with an overnight bag, not because he's been kicked out of his wonderful home, but because he treats our home like his extended home, his second home, like his uncle and aunt. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sharing life together. I'm talking about doing life together. I'm talking about standing through the things of life together. And, you know, that's been 15 years. Does it change? Of course it does. If you know anything about me, nothing's going to stay the same for too long. It's got to change. It keeps growing, expanding. And, uh, and, and in, in that, there are times where we've, we've uh, sent people to start new groups. Uh, Ferry and Aliska Hoffer uh, here. We just recently sent out with um, Louie and Intan to start a, a new group. And, and they've been able to take that, that sort of love and strength from our group and try and help build a new group. And we're doing that all the time. That the bonds of love are so strong that we're able to have seasons where we're not always all together all the time, but we're always planted in group. And so what I'm talking about today is this. We will see hope on every street when we have a group in every neighborhood. So if you think visualizing hope on every street is, is quite way out there, begin to visualize a group in your neighborhood. 
When I walk around our neighborhood, the, the bigger neighborhood, the, the sort of more like the 40-minute circuit I, I might do from time to time, I'm picturing f- um, three groups in that extended neighborhood. I'm, I'm picturing a group on our street. And, and when I break it down like that, it, it becomes really tangible. And so not only do we want you to pray around your neighborhood, not only do we want you to pastor your street, we want you to attend a group and help there to become a group in every neighborhood of our city. How about that for something highly achievable? Let me tell you about the Apostle Paul for a minute, just so you get an idea of the power of what group can do. The group, do I really have that much time? That's amazing. Beautiful. The, um, <laughs> I know I don't. I just said that so they'd correct it for me. <laughs> uh, the, you, you may be going, well, that's, that's really sentimental, Pastor C, if you know you, you've got some wonderful emotional tie to the, the people you're connected with. And, uh, but let me tell you about sentimental Apostle Paul who was beaten near to death so many times and imprisoned, unfed, shipwrecked, went through all sorts of things. And through all of that, he has four particular people he talks about with complete affection. He doesn't use language that is corporate or professional. He uses these words. Here's Tychicus. He says this. He calls him a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. A beloved brother. He referred to Tychicus as I might refer to David Sprung. You know, beloved brother. You know, it wouldn't matter to me whether David Sprong was family pastor or he was at one point our location pastor in Elmira. I doesn't care really what he does. It's, the truth is, what means a lot to me is that he's a beloved brother. But he's become a faithful worker because he will do whatever's needed to build God's house. Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one who has consistently been self-sacrificial, one who left what he was doing to go and help Paul in his neediest moment whilst he was in prison. He says the same, actually, to Aristarchus. He calls him my fellow prisoner. Can you imagine the, 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 the extent of crisis you would go through when being in prison and, and there's someone who would be there as a fellow prisoner doing that with you? In prison in those days, it would have been rat-infested. You wouldn't have been fed unless you had friends turn up with food. It's not like the hotels we put people in nowadays. This was a completely different prison experience. By the way, I think it's good that we put them in more hotel-like experiences. But this was completely different. When I say prison, please get a picture of what he really went through. This was suffering to an extreme. Archicus was there with him. He wasn't saying, my prayers are with you, Paul. He wasn't saying, I'll, I'll visit you once a month. He lived in, went through it with him. He was a prisoner with him. Epaphras, he calls Epaphras, he says, the one who is, uh, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, he greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be amazing if you knew there was someone standing for you who would say, I'm fervently praying for you. I am standing with you because I want to see you stand complete in Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you knew you had someone standing alongside you or a leader who was, who was with you 
who said, I am praying for you regularly. I am, I'm, I'm there for you at any moment. And it doesn't just say it, but is there for you at any moment. Standing through any situation has is, is got your back. My question to us today is, have you got a circle that's doing that? Is there someone you could go instantly, that's that person, that's that person, that's that person. Do you have five people you can think of who you know without asking them, they're committed to fervently pray for you? If you're in a group, you would have it. If you're not in a group, you probably don't. What a joy Paul had to know that he had people fervently praying for him and he was doing likewise. That's the power of group. So I want to say to you, that love is not a cherry on the cake. It's not the icing on the cake. Love is the cake. Happiness is the cherry on the cake. We live in a society that seems to think happiness is the goal of life. I'm here to tell you that happiness is not the goal of life. Happiness is momentary. It's here today, and it's unlikely to last until next week. And that's how it's meant to be. Happiness is meant to be that wonderful thing we experience now and then tomorrow we get on with life. It's there tonight and then tomorrow we get on with life. But love is not like that. Love is constant. It's always there. It's always present. It isn't always emotional. Often it is, but it isn't always. It isn't always felt with a smile on your face and a joy in your heart and a happiness in your mind, but it is always there. It is always strong. You know, it's always believing. It's always patient. It'll always be kind towards you. Love never ends. And so here in this passage, Paul is saying that you will experience that in a group. He says you will only understand the width, that is to say that love includes which answers the human question, do I belong? The answer is, yes, you do. You'll only get it in a group. The length of God's love, that is his patience, his long-suffering, that answers the question, will I still be included when you know my failings? The answer is yes. You will because of God's love. And then it talks about the height of God's love. And that answers the question that inclusivity says, come as you are, but we don't want you to leave as you are. Because your view of your life is, I know there's more. I know there's better. I know that I want to change. And when you're in group, we can help you change. We will disciple you. We can't disciple you in, in, in sort of the, the nebulous nature of large group. We can't love on you. We can't send you flowers at moments you need it. We can't feed you at moments you need it. We can't be there for you outside of group. It, it's, it just, but in group, we can help you grow, get set free, and you will do the same for others as you minister to them. And then talks about the depth of God's love. It's so deep, it's bottomless. Why is that so important? Because you need to know that as you dig into God's love, you're going to find purpose and meaning for your life. Group is a place of health. Research has shown when you're amongst other people, depression is less. A whole load of other things get reduced. Healing happens in a group. There's a father here today. You work hard. You're trying your best for your family, but it's been a long time since you laughed. Did you know how good laughter is for you? How, how, what a great medicine it is for you? You get that in a group. Student, 
You spend so much of your week so often on your own studying. And your mind goes in all sorts of directions. I'm going to ask the band to come. Thanks, guys, just to bring this to a close. Let me, let me tell you about my mind and where it can go sometimes. Because I'm just like you. I was playing squash with my oldest son yesterday, uh, Jake, and, and um, I haven't played for a couple of years. And so um, at the end of the first game, the score was 9-1 to one of us. And uh, we got to the end of the second game, and the score was also 9-1 again to him. So I go out and get my glasses, making it look like that was the reason why I wasn't connecting with the ball correctly. And uh, the score of the third game was uh, 9-1. There's a theme going on right here in that game, but it was more than the theme of the score There was something going on in my head that started to become a theme too. I literally wanted to give up. My mind goes, I have lost it completely. Because this was only only the second time in my life I'd lost a match to him. It could become a trend of the future, mind you. Uh, And uh, so now I'm going, I've lost it. I don't even know how to play this game. I can't connect with the ball. We might as well stop right now. There's no point in playing if you can't win. Now you're getting to know your pastor a bit here. It's my son I'm losing to, and yet I'm still so competitive, I want to beat him. What is that? Is that bad parenting? I don't know. Just competitiveness. That's where my head was going. The, third, for the fourth game, I won. The fifth game, I won. The sixth game, he won. We, even after counting differently, I said, you're half my age. Therefore, you only get half a point. And I get two points. So it was like eight, four. He won. I said, that's eight and a half. Four. Then I won. It was eight and a half, six. And then eight and a half, eight. And then he got the other half. Couldn't even win with halves. Okay, slightly light example. But there have been moments in my life where that same sense of quitting. Who am I to talk about hope on every street? Who, who am I to do what I'm doing. Who, who am I? And, you know, am I really a great parent? Am I, am I really a patient enough husband? Am I, uh, or am I the only one who, whose mind drifts off into these slightly negative and sometimes even depressive thought patterns? But it nearly always happens when you're on your own. Something about doing life in group in, with others together that moderates your thoughts a little bit. See, God forgives, but people heal. God will always forgive you, but you get healed in community. God left that job to us to help heal one another. So I want you to just grab your card. I'm just going to draw this to a close. But I've got one other important thing to say, because I don't want it to sound like groups are just good for you. We go to group to receive, we go to group to give, but we also go to group for our city. If we're going to see a group in every neighborhood, we need you in a group to get a group in every neighborhood. Because as your group meets in your street and as you start taking up all the car parking spots of your neighbors, they're going to know you're meeting. As they start hearing the laughter and the fun coming through the walls to next door, they're going to know you're meeting. 
as, you, as they see people trailing in and out on the same night every week, they're going to know you're meeting. As they see your life and as they're invited to your birthday parties and you're mixing them with your church friends, they're going to be envious of the relationships you've got. They're going to sense of something different and deeper. They're going to want to come. They're going to want the life you've got. They're going to be wanting to be part of it. They're going to see your life differently. Lisbon and I have always tried to mix up our friendship groups just to show off God's love through other people, just to show off God's goodness through other people. Let Him do the work in group. We need you in a group because all around you are people living with the same brokenness that you're struggling with, but they don't have Christ to deal with it. Think of the places your mind goes to. Think of the, the things, challenges you've been through and you've had Jesus on your side. Now, all around you, it breaks my heart to know there are people who are trying to get through the same marriage situations, the same studying challenges, the same um, mental challenges and heart challenges, and, and yet they're doing it without the help of God. And we have a chance to bring hope and life through group. So I'm saying to you right now, if you're not in a group, you have to be in a group. Can I say that as your pastor? Because you will not thrive unless you do. He puts the lonely in families. He's built community. Also through since the beginning of the Bible, he's never meant us to be alone or isolated. That tells me that you're at your very supreme best when you're doing life together, which tells me you are not at your supreme best when you're doing it alone. If you're doing life alone right here, you're not at your best. You're failing your best. You can do better. You can be bigger. And all you need to do is get along to a group. Whoa. I'm doing fine. It's because you've got no perspective on what better is. Which is why you think you're doing fine. I think I'm doing fine until I find the better than fine. You may not be doing as fine as you think. Because your bigger, better life is way beyond what you're dreaming right now. God's got an incredible future for you. And it's in group. We're going to see hope come to every street when we see Thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been, you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today 
the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.